Welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and today we have Melissa Edmonds. How are you doing, Melissa? Hey, I'm good, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy that we're able to catch you in, well, not quite pie here. Where are we in New Zealand? We're in a small settlement called Pakaraka, ah. which is um, about oh, 15 minutes from pie here, if that. Yeah. If that. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. And uh, it's just beautiful up here. So um, I'm really excited to hear what God does in this area and uh, how he's affected you and your life and your family. And um, yeah, so Melissa, why don't you just share with us wherever your testimony begins, tell us your journey that kind of brought you to the Christian faith. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, there's a verse that I want to start with in Jeremiah seventeen fourteen, and it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed Save me and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. Um, so all glory, Come all on. glory back back That's to our so Father. Um, I just wanted to to just give a mahi and Maori, um, an acknowledgement to to our Father, um, and I'll I'll come back with um, that in in Pākehā translation and, as well. Yeah. Um, so kote mahi tua tahi kite atua, kororia kite mato nui kite rangi. So I'm just giving giving my acknowledgement to our Father in heaven. Um, and then call Waio a little bit about myself. So uh, ko hikirangi te maunga, my mountain is hikirangi. Ko Waiapu te awa, the river that I belong to is Waiapu. Ko nga pākirikiri, raua ko pāhu nga marae. Uh, pākirikiri and pāhu are my marae. Uh, ko Nāti te iwi, the tribe that I belong to, is Nāti Parau, no te tairawhiti a hau. Um, I'm from Gisborne in New Zealand. Wow, awesome. <laughs> oh, beautiful Gisborne. It's awesome yeah. down there. Um, oh, that was beautiful, Mal. Awesome. I, 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 love, I love hearing the Māori language and, and uh, I think being able to speak it and, and, and share your culture is so important. Um and as I said earlier, uh, before we started the podcast, that myself, uh, we come from the tribe Naitahu and, awesome. in the South Island, and and um, I definitely want to explore those roots a little bit more. But uh, let's we'll, we'll try and keep it on on God um, and not my family history. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tell me a little bit about how you grew up. Did you grow up in a Christian family? It's interesting, you know, because God was. He was always overseeing our family. Um, throughout my upbringing, uh, my mum came to the Lord when I was seven, and so I was baptised in that same year. Um, and even as a child, I knew that some some exchange happened. Mm. At that time, I knew that God came into my spirit. There was just something so different about that time. Um, and so my mum, she was... She was following God. Um, she was extremely radical, though, and so it was a bit of a put-off for my father, who just wasn't there. And um, so there was these two parallel opposites of my of my mother, you know, doing what was best for her, her mm. whanau, and my dad going in the total opposite. Mm. <laughs> yeah, did your dad end up um, coming to a knowledge of Christ? I would say that, that there were increments that would have dropped into his spirit over the time and 
um, I mean, he was raised quite in a religious sense where it was more of an act to go to to church. Mm. But he did say that um, they only went to to take the tithe money. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> but yeah. the the thing is that he, the Lord was still so working. He still, he still honoured the tithe. He did in a way. That's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, he did in a way, but they. It was more so an act of going to church, not yeah. so much a relationship with the Lord. It's so important to have a relationship, but mm. I do wonder sometimes when you got people that might look like they don't have a relationship and things like that mm. with with Christ. However, you know, James talks about faith without works is dead. Amen. So, in other words, the fact that he's bringing in the tithes and things like that could be an act of faith. And then it's impossible to please God without faith. That's right. And then Jesus says to follow those who love me or know me will follow my commands. Mm. And that that's one of the commands as well. And it's like, okay, well, you just never know sometimes how if somebody's heart is there, even though they might be a harder person on the exterior. That's right. They could actually have a relationship with Christ, only their heart and, and God would know. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so what was your upbringing after being baptised at seven years old? Obviously a bit of a dynamic between radical mum and sort of laid-back dad. Yeah, dad, dad was, he was quite broken. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, mum, she she pursued God and she was, I would say now looking back, she was on fire for the Lord. Mm. But my dad had a lot of, of stuff that he carried um, over into the marriage. And so it was really difficult for my mum to to maintain mm. her faith and her walk when, you know, her husband hadn't come alongside of her. Yeah. And when a lot of that brokenness was, was spilling out and over into the marriage and onto, our, onto their children. Yeah. Um, but I know that because of my mum's stand for God, that he laid the foundations for us six kids way back then. And, you know, the seeds were already embedded and planted in our in our hearts and in our spirit. And um, he was revealing things way back then as a child. Wow. That I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing. And uh, this is all in Gisborne? It was, yeah. 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 So did you start going to church at when your mum was saved or was it before then? My nana, you know, there's there's this blessing of, of grandparents. You know, yeah. sometimes it'll skip a generation and, and my nana used to take me around with her mm. and there were um aunties and some of her sisters who, who were in the faith and so I was exposed from a really young age. You know, God already had plans for me. Come on. He already had plans. I mean, in Jeremiah 1, 5, it says, Before I was formed, you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Um, so when did you find yourself developing a relationship with Christ? I think be- because of my mum's, she she was quite extreme, I knew that God was, he was ministering to my heart as a child, um, in particular worship. Mm. Um, so at nine years old, I taught myself to play um, about 13 of the um, the most basic chords, and the Lord and I would just sit, mm. and I'd sing to him. And that was my, those are my times where I just drew close to him, in and amongst everything that was going on in our household, and mm. um 
I mean, there was a lot of violence growing up, but that was my space where I could just go and retreat and I would just sing mm. and it would carry me up and above, you know, the stuff that was happening within our home. Yeah. So nine years old, I developed that, that intimacy with God and I knew that my language to him was through song. Yeah. So you're a born worshipper. Pretty much. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so, yeah. It's so cool. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about these later years because as soon as you kind of get into the teenage years, life can sort of get a bit rocky mm. and, um, you know, thing, things change. You know, you sort of grow into a different world. That's right. From being a child to, you know, being a woman. Well, I suppose for us, you know, we had the foundations of our faith, um, but then my parents, um, due to the stuff that was going on within their marriage, um, that came to an end. And so my dad, he was gone by the time I was 14. And my mum, I just think with the responsibility of everything, she stepped away. How did you How did you find your relationship with God? Did that um, get stronger or weaker or anything like that when your father left? Did you blame him because he I, left or anything like I that? I was very angry, but I was also always very soft to the things of the Lord. And I can recall from my teenage years um, right through to my, my younger 20s that God positioned people in my life um, to speak into me, um, to watch over me to bring me into a fold and, and minister to me, although I wasn't actively you know, following mm. God, going to church. My mum had walked away. God still kept his watchful eye mm. over me. And um, I can name every person that he brought in Come on. that would um, just uffy me and, and look out for me and, and my young son at the time whether that was in food, whether that was in time, whether that was in words or encouragement. There was always somebody that God sent yep. through every chapter of my story. There's quite a few broken families um, all around the world, oh, and yeah. you get um, they often break from being unequally yoked and things mm. like that. Um, just just from going that one degree off over time becomes a long their, their th- you know thinking is so different. And um, like you said, your mum was radically on fire, and, and your and your dad. Uh, not so much. Um, however, what's some advice for somebody that's might be going through something like that? You know, they're they're young, their parents are split. One's a believer, one's not. Mm. What's some advice on them to be going? God, why would you do this? And how is he still good? Well, here's the thing. I I knew from a young age that God was going to be in my life, that he was in my life, and that the path I took, although it should have, you know, been the straight <laughs> the straight path, it went around, mm. you know, in a few curves, but God brought me back into a place um, That's good. where I was aligned in position with him in my later life, but he never mm. stepped off that path. He was always with me, yep. and he constantly remind, he's reminded me of all of those times, and um, I was never forsaken That's I was so never good. forsaken at all it shows that God's with you in those toughest times oh yeah and those times are often when you grow the most that's right and when you need to press into God you know um so often those trials and the Bible talks about this face those trials with joy 
<laughs> for your faith is tested and that creates endurance, which develops character. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's just so cool how, you know, you didn't swing away from God or anything like that. Yeah, you knew that he was still there, he was still good, there's still people that he's put in around me in times like this. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that, how you recognize God mm-hmm. in that situation. It's not like he's not there because your dad's not there. It's God's still there when your dad's not there. That's right. I mean, he, the, the thing is, um, you know, although you're not actively following, God's following you mm. and he's keeping a watchful eye over, you know, that when you go off that beaten track, yeah, you know, he's pulling you back on and he's... Um, He's just gently coaxing you, yeah. You know, and he's bringing supporters and encouragers alongside to, amen. To just stand, yeah. Whether you realize it or not, that's so good. <laughs> that's so good. Um, yeah. So, what ended up happening after that? Well, I suppose for me, um, the theme of my story is get healed to be whole, mm. and um, the greatest blessing in my life that I never knew. <laughs> that God gave me was my son at 17 years old mm. so um, he it was through his birth that the Lord enabled a shift and he enabled um, my feet to be planted back on you know solid yeah. ground yeah um, you know I had so many words spoken over me about being a young mom and being a teenage mom and how my life you know was going to come to an end I had people at school preparing me for um, the possibility of abortion. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that this boy had been blessed unto me mm. and that he was mine. Come on. And so I named him Kaya, which means leader. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it wasn't easy being a, a teenage mum, but God knew what he was doing. Mm. And um, Would you want to say anything to somebody that's listening that might – be having a child uh, in those early years, and there might be, you know, these days people consider abortion and they're swayed towards it, and it's terribly demonic. Mm. So just some comforting words for those that might be going through, all right, I'm, I'm about to have a baby, what do I do? Well, here's the thing. God works all things up for good, and he's done that in my life, and... um you know, nothing in life um, that gets results is, is, it doesn't come without hard work. Raising a child is hard work. Being a teenage mother is hard work. But um, it's worth it. Mm. And I'm seeing the fruits of, of hanging in there and standing firm and listening to my heart. You know, the world, the world, um, tells us otherwise, mm. you know, to think first with your head and not your heart, but our hearts are so interconnected to the Father and, you know, it's a prompting, you know, to, to know so that what he's speaking is... You're hearing that still small voice of the Holy definitely, Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and he doesn't make mistakes. No Because way. <laughs> all of us are fearfully, wonderfully made and he made us before we were even formed oh, in yeah. our mother's womb. He knew us before we were even formed. And so nobody's a mistake. No and way. um he's he's the master craftsman. Mm. So your son is not a mistake. No. I mean, it's all God's plan. He he we're all here for the time 
that God appointed us to be here, to out, mm. to live on earth this time. And we could have all been born a thousand years ago, but we're not. We're born today. And, um, yeah, I just love how uh, God uses all things for good for those who love him. It's yeah. so cool. I'm so blessed to be a mum and to, yeah, to have him as my, my firstborn and to be able to even, you know, speak about him and, and the goodness of God. Mm. You know, it, it actually, having a child so young, um, it's given me a, a, another chapter to add to my testimony. And so, you know, and a lot of the work that I do now in ministry, mm. it is with young mums, it's with broken families. And I've been able to come from a place of... Um, and relatable. Yeah, being able to share my experiences and say, hey, you know what? Yeah. It, it works out. Hang in there. It's so what good. A God that looks looks out for you and over you. Yeah. And he's for us. So you actually went from strength to strength having a baby so young. I would say went, so. Like spiritually in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So cool. When I look back now, I know how much of a blessing that that time in my life was and, and how he's just growing me. Come on. Yeah, he's growing me. So um, what's the next part of your chapter with God? For me, I observed what what happened in my own family of origin mm. and um, I made a decision consciously that when it came to my family and my children that I had to do something differently. Mm. Um, and so I knew that when I gave my heart to God that I was 100% in and whatever that meant, with me and the Lord and my healing, I had to do it. I had to do it for my children, for their children, for the, our future generations. And so um, I've had to let God take off layer upon layer of hurt and brokenness. And that's actually been uh, a 13-year journey to where I am right now before you guys, where it hasn't just been an instant deliverance, it's been just intentional parts that God has come in and ministered to. He's brought people alongside. He's got in. He's brought in the prayer warriors. He's brought in people with specific sets of skills in the kingdom that have been able to help um, nurse me back to life because I was very, very broken mm. and very, very abandoned by my own dad. And the Lord has had to come in and do such a mighty work. And I've led him. It's so good. You've got to have that vulnerability for God Mm. to be able to mould you, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's it's a process. Mm. Um, I think when a lot of people come to the Lord, you know, um, I mean, you have your encounter, everybody's encounter is different, Um, but then there's still still a work, an ongoing work until the the day of completion, until we meet our Father, that... um, you know, he's he's doing a working within us mm. all the time so that we can be more and more like him, that he can be glorified. Mm. Um, and so I've had to surrender and I've had to yield and there's been so many tears and there's been times where he's tucked me away and it's only been me and him. I've had to stay away from other people and just get really close to God. Yeah. And... um. He's done such a deep work in, in my heart and purged out just so much Come yuckiness. On. 
Have you heard of the um, ancient tradition? I think it's in Japan where a a vase gets broken mm-hmm. and um, then they fix it by sealing all the cracks with gold. Yeah. Yeah. I it, actually have. It's so cool, isn't it? Kintsubi, I think it's called. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, I mean, that just reflects what you were just saying so well. Mm. And, you know, you can see all those cracks where there used to be cracks of brokenness, but now they're sealed with gold and sealed with it's the beautiful. love of God. And, and they actually become stronger as well because mm. gold's like uh, malleable and, mm. and, and absorbs vibrations so that when they go to break again, if you dropped it off the table, it's less likely to shatter because yeah, all the right. gold keeps it all together. Solid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. So it's quite interesting that you um, you raised about that kintsugi uh, process because um, recently I spoke at a conference and the theme was about, you know, restoring restoring things back mm. into the original um, state, but through that process and what God does. Mm. And um, we were called back to Northland a couple of years ago um, on the week before we went into lockdown and there was major lockdowns happening. Um, and the Lord, um, he told me that he was going to do a, a deep healing work. I, I heard that really audibly. And so we were in this house and we were about to move into another and there was an overgrown garden and um, it was a, in its original state, it probably would have been something really beautiful where a lot of crops could be planted. Uh, but it was overgrown, and I just knew that there was work to be done. And the Lord led me up to the fence of this rental, and He said, I want you to do these gardens before you moved out, move out. And I said, What? They weren't done when we moved. You know, this is the sort of dialogue that I'm having with the Lord. He said, I want you to prepare the garden. So I, you know, I audibly heard that, and I knew that I had to be obedient. I had a four-month-old baby who I parked up under the tree as I got through each um, garden bed, and just like with any weeding process, um, you know, these weeds that just come out with a sweep, they're easy, they come away, and then there were some that I had to get on my knees and use the garden tools, and then there were others that were really um, established in the ground, and um I couldn't find my spade. It had been lost in another move. And so I had this pitchfork um, and I was using that to, you know, to rid these garden beds of weeds. And I was standing back and, and I was looking at the progress as each one, you know, came into that preparation state. And, you know, you start feeling proud of yourself because you can see progress. And so I got through, you know, number two, number three, four, five. In between feeding the baby and, and um, tending to him. And I got to the final um, garden bed. And up in Northland, there's um, these weeds, and they're called tobacco plants. And when they establish themselves, they take over. And in this bed, there was this tobacco plant, and I knew that it was going to take some time to, to get in there. Um, so I started hacking at it, and... Um, I had to split this thing in four, and it took me about 25 minutes to get in. Um, and then I started hearing the Lord saying to me, you're going into an open heart surgery. I heard that, and I got in with a pitchfork, and this thing was so established, these roots were so established that um, it was really hard for me to, to loose this thing. Um, but as I kept digging, it started splitting, and it, 
eventually got to a point where it was in four parts, but the root, the root was just stuck in there and it was stuck in there deep. And I used a lot of my strength. I got in with this pitchfork and it bent the middle of my fork up. Um, but then I started feeling it become loose. And I kept persevering, kept persevering, and eventually the split parts came away and I got at this root um, and this thing came loose and I yanked it out. But what I really noticed was that the sun, the sun where this plant had established itself, um, thinking that it was going to stay, the sun came in and the light that filtered into that space, was it, it just stood out. I just really recognised that. And... Um, I stood back from the garden and I felt really proud of this work that I'd done over five, six hours. And the Lord said to me again, you're going into an open heart surgery. I didn't know what that meant, but I just knew that this, the beginning stages of this preparation for my own garden mm. <laughs> was being done in a physical sense and that the Lord was about to do something. Mm. Um, two days later, I get a knock at the door, uh, a friend came with a banana cake thinking that she was coming for coffee and cake but it ended up being that she was skilled in an area of healing and she took me through prayer that showed me showed us a root of rejection that had been so firmly embedded in me that needed to be released and pulled and so she prayed and I physically felt that root come loose within me and the Lord showed me that um, attached to that, just like, you know, the subroots of a plant, there were other things. There was, you know, an orphan spirit. There was an abandonment. There was abandonment issues. Um, there was a lot of hurt and pain, and God was just, he pulled that root out, and he was doing a shaking of everything else, and he took that from me. And um, it was sore. It was so sore because what what should have been filled with the Lord had been filled with all the pain of my um, of my childhood, and he did a work in that day from my friend. Two days later, I get another phone call from another incredible prayer warrior, um, and she prayed over Zoom, and the Lord revealed to her that I had a whole lot of abandonment issues, and so we went through prayer ministry again, and oh my gosh, there was more emptiness inside of me um, that I'd never experienced. It was just, there was a freedom, but it was like, you know, I'd gone into the surgery that God had been speaking of in the preparation of this garden, um, and I knew that I was in recovery mode. And so he took me out and away from everything that I had been serving in for about six months and he just tended to that space and he applied a healing balm um, and those vulnerable parts of me that had been freed. And I sat with him and I cried with him and he sung over me and the verses and the words that he gave me were just beautiful healing mm. ministry between God and me. And I'd say to my husband, please, in this time, Please just be really kind and gentle and know that just like with any operation, God's just done a surgery of my heart and um, he was the most wonderful that he has ever been to me in my life as God just did this healing, healing wow. work. 
<laughs> wow. That's amazing. And um, you went to a conference um, that taught on that sort of heart surgery that you had? Well, God had been preparing me for that, that talk prior. And I was asked to speak, and I didn't actually know what it was that I was going to speak about. Mm. But So the preparation work had already begun, and he knew that I was going to be speaking on this at mm. this conference. And everything to do with the conference was about what I was going through. Mm. And so the women that were there that heard you know, this preparation work that we need to undergo for God to operate and effectively move, mm. they heard that message. Wow. And they were moved, and there was healing that took place, and it was incredible. The timing. There's so much power in um, confessing um, and finding out those root causes and root mm-hmm. spiritual oppression um, holds. That's right. That we have, and uh, confessing that with another brother or sister in Christ, mm. and praying, and and the Bible says, you know, we're two or, th- or three are gathered. That Jesus is there. Amen. And um, I just think that that's so cool that you saw that God taught you that you had these issues through something physical in the garden mm. um, and explained it to you. And I think God does that a lot. You know, when we're sharing, going, you know, how does God talk to us? It's re- I think that's really cool that you can hear him audibly every now and again. But... um. God also speaks in other ways. Definitely. And it's the same sense that we communicate with each other. You know, you got tone of voice and mm. um, body language and all that sort of thing that we don't communicate just with the audible, that God was showing you with this garden and he was saying, you know, these are the roots. Like some, some of the stuff that when you come to me will be easy to, for me to strip away and those were the easy roots that weren't very deep in the soil and you're able to just pull them out and then there's slightly harder ones and then ones really far down and they took some work and they would take some prayer and would take some fasting and that sort of thing and an actual companion to pray with you yeah and um god explained that with you over the gardening and um i just think that's so cool how you just obeyed god yeah i'll do the gardening even though it wasn't done when we first moved in here i'll do that and it led to something else and led to something else. It's oh, so cool. It has. It's been it's actually been incredible and the theme of this this preparation and this healing in my life has gone into other things. Um and one of them was not long after that conference, um, I really felt to go and see a pastor out at Kyle. And um it was like a mentoring visit. Mm. And she said, Um, what's your real name, Mel? So what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> she said, what's your real name? I said, it's Melissa. She said, why do you say your name like that? I said, because I don't like it. She said, what does your name mean? I said, it means sweet honeybee. And she said, oh. She looked at me. You know how you know wise pastors look at you. She said, um, honey. <laughs> she said, do you know how many times that honey's mentioned in the Bible? And I said, no. She said, 66 times. And then she just started prophesying over me with everything to do with honey. And she said, do you know that honey's been found in pyramids thousands of years after and it's still edible, you know, because it's come from the throne room. It's a heavenly kaya. It's known mm. as heaven, heavenly food. Mm. John the Baptist, he had a diet of locusts and honey. When Moses struck the rock, mm. you know, milk and honey flowed. Um, and, 
you know, just within my spirit, I was getting really, really stirred. Like, okay, you're onto something here, Lord. You know, I've just prepared this garden. I've gone through this healing. And now you're bringing me back into the fullness of my name. And so she told me to go away. And my homework was to look at my other names, look into their meanings, and how that all aligned with with my purpose. So my middle name is um, Lydia. And my other middle name is Mariana, which is Mary Ann, which is linked to you know the Jesus mother, and um, Didia and Maori. Both my nana's names. I was named after two very strong wahine. Um, Didia was a place, uh, was a place within the Bible, but it was also a woman in the Bible who sold purple uh, linen purple cloth to um, rich merchants and so she was recognized as having these connections and being in possession of something that people sought after and so you know as God's just bringing me back into the fullness of my name firstly you know this healing that comes with Melissa my actual name and then these middle names that are so connected to um, you know my grandparent my grandmothers but also what was actually behind them, the weight of that, and then you combine them with purpose and where he's positioning and what he's doing. Mm. And, you know, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, wow, Lord, yeah, this is why you say in your word, I've called you by name. And this hasn't stopped here. Mm. When I actually stepped into the fullness of my name, it's a question that I ask people upon meeting now. Do you actually know what your name means? Mm. Do you know what your name means? A lot of people actually don't, and they go away and find out, and then we talk about that, and oh my gosh, it shifts something. Mm. It shifts something within them, and it enables them to step into a place under God and in God and through God mm. because of who he's called them to be. It's It's been amazing. I love that. I mean, I, I do know what my name means, but I can't remember now. It's been <laughs> such a long time since I've looked it up. Um, but, uh, one of the, I think in the Bible, it's so clear that names carry so much meaning and value. Um, even the first 10 generations in the Mm. Bible from Adam, uh, to Noah, it, uh, talks about, um, if you actually pull their names into what they mean, the first 10 generations, it spells out a sentence. Wow. And um, this blows my mind on on the prophetic of God, Amen. really. And the sentence, I don't, I don't know what the sentence is off the top of my head, but it's something like, um, "Man will will fall, will fall into sin. Um, God will God will come down wow. and uh, to earth as an exchange for sin." Um, I mean, you can look it up. First mm. ten generations. I mean, I just butchered what it. What what they are, but it's something along those lines. And what it is is the um, it's the outwork of Jesus coming to set our, ourselves free, and uh, it's absolutely incredible. Like the power of our names is so so powerful, and and they're not a mistake. You know, uh-huh. like God named. You know, I know that our this just shows the divinity of God is that even though our parents name us, God knew what our parents would name us mm. and that that 
he still had a plan and a purpose within that. Amen. And it still means something. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so this conference that you went to, do you want to go into a little bit about um, that and, and what God did in your life there? Well, I think that was the the preparation of my own garden um, and then going into this conference was a catalyst for um, what God has wanted to do with me and how he's wanted to use me. And so over the last two years he's done, you know, he's stripped back all the layers over mm. the last 10 or so years and then the last two years he's gotten in really deep, yeah, really deep. And so through this conference he's revealed to me that my ministry mm. is in healing. Um, so we weren't quite sure why God had moved us up here. We mm. still don't know yeah. all the details, but we know that our ministry is in reconciliation between iwi, hapu, yeah. whānau, and it's come about through doing this work. He's had Amazing. to do the work in us first, me yeah. first. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, it shows, shows it to you through you, mm. and that, you know, when the Bible talks about um, forgiveness and, um, I mean, a lot of things where it says, you know, like your cup will not only be filled but it will be overflowing. Amen. You know, things will be pressed down, shaken together and pouring out all over. Like there's a constant outpouring and I think that's with almost anything. Like if you have a gift of healing, God will heal you mm. and then that gift will pour out that's through right. you to others. If you've got a gift of the prophetic, you know, you will prophesy you know or you have prophecies over you and um it's just one of those things where like god doesn't give things i guess loosely it's always in abundance and um i love that you've recognized that and you've gone yep i was healed therefore i carry a healing ministry and it's kind of that simple very very cool the beautiful thing though you know when you do when you've come from a um a background like i have you know, where brokenness begot brokenness mm. and you make a stand for the kingdom and and you make a decision to do away of everything that's not serving you or mm. your family. Um, that pouring out and pouring over, you know, it, it comes into your children. And mm. so, you know, God's God's done a really big work in our own family first, um, within the marriage, within our children, and he's given us you know, fresh eyes to see and fresh ears to hear the needs of our kids mm. and um, and what we need to do in those spaces as well because we've got such a responsibility as parents to them mm. as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so do you, th- do you find that there's any practical steps that you and your hu- husband have taken raising a, go- raising a family in God um, that you've been very careful to make sure that they're, I guess, raised in the ways of the Lord that you want to go into? Definitely. So um, we keep our home. Our home is our, our sanctuary, mm. um, and we're very careful of who we allow in um, and what we allow in. This is a place where I want my kids to always feel at home. Mm. Um, we recognise issues and we deal with them. Yeah. Um. And we seek out the, we've sought out the help that we need. Yeah. Because um, you, you can't do life on your own, you yep. know. So having trusted confidants or, or people mm. within leadership that you can share certain things with who can come in and uplift you and encourage and sharpen, 
so we, you know, our family is so important to us. It, they're our responsibility, and we mm. want to ensure that everything's well rounded, and that they're loved and they're nurtured. Um, also, because I'm a worship leader, I always have worship playing in my house. It infiltrates the atmosphere of my home. So from the time that I get out of bed in the morning, yeah, and I'm hearing my kids stirring, I'm setting that within the house so that the you know a kōrowai of peace just settles over our whare and um, you know that they're stepping into that space, they're starting their day, mm. you know, with the Lord just washing over them. The cool thing I love with music is it's it you might hear a song and then the song finishes and you leave, mm. but the song often stays with you in your mind and your heart and you're sort of singing it throughout the rest of your day. Yeah. And um, what you just said there, every morning I start with worship and, and it fills my house and it creates this environment that almost anywhere, it doesn't matter where my kids go that day, that they will have that seed, that echo of God's you know, promises, all of those things singing into their lives and they just walk out and then, I mean, that happens to me all the time. I might have one song in my head, could be for ages actually. I got that song um, that we first heard, I believe, at Excite Church, which is Honey in the Rock. It's cool, eh? And um, <laughs> I've had that in my head for weeks. Wow. <laughs> it's such a good song. <laughs> and um, it just shows that the power that that song has and worship has, like it carries in your very being. That's right. I mean, the David in the Bible, he's always worshipping. You know, and, and it just shows that he was a real, real man of worship as well. And I think there's real power in that. Really, really cool. Um, so tell me a little bit about the the next chapter of your life with God and, and where he was bringing you with that early family days and things like that. So I, ju- I just know with, with every step that we've taken in God mm. that, there's been something that he's had to reveal. There's been something that he's had to show us. There's been a work that we've had to do. Yeah. Um, and you know we've we've trusted him. We've yeah. trusted him through through each process, through each mm. chapter. Um, we've trusted him even when it's hurt, mm. even when it's been hard. Um, we've had to come before him time and time again. Sometimes sobbing. Yeah. Sometimes being tucked away. We've let him. Do what only he can do. Yeah. And um what comes out of that yeah. is is something so beautiful. Mm. You know, people ask me, Why are you always smiling? And I say to them, Do you want to know why? It's so good. <laughs> and I share about Jesus. You know, I'm in the gym. You know, yeah. there's there's an aroma that comes out of you, you know. Yeah. Not only does it make demons manifest, but it um it, yeah, causes people to turn because it's not, it's not you that's radiating out of your being. It's the goodness of God, and yeah. yeah, that he's just a good God, and you only go from strength to strength to strength when you walk in alignment with what He's wanting from you, what He's wanting of you, what He's requiring of you. Mm. I love that. Um, I think, I think what you have shared so far has been. One of the most crucial things that from an early age, you know, what to do um, 
when when you're having an early baby and and things like that like the wise thing to do is to you know there's two responses with a father mm. you know um you're in trouble so you run from him or you're in trouble so I I need to run to him <laughs> and um you've had this lifetime of when you've come into trouble or you feel that like you've stuffed up you've run to the father every time and that's the father heart of god it's, you know it's a prodigal son Amen. in the bible is as he got this son running to his father um after he stuffs up but also the father running to the son you know and and you've just lived a life like that you know um every time that you might stumble or fall you've run to god and that's really started from right from that early age of being nine years old mm. when your mum was saved, baptised, you got saved and baptised. Like, I love how she just carried you along to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, so is your mum still around today? Is she still a believer in Christ? She is. Um, but she's she's coming into a place of relationship, I think. Yeah. Relationship and understanding what that actually is. Mm. Um, she's not attending church, but I know that Alfano is a is a witness to her and her spirit, mm. and um, and in her own way and in in, in her own space. You know, she's mm. still communing with the Lord. You know, her home is still filled with stri- scripture. Yeah, and um, she's just building on on things again, but in a different way this yeah. time. <laughs> if that makes sense That's good, yeah So Melissa, what's the best piece of advice that you've had On this journey of uh, following Christ? We definitely have to You have to get healed To be whole mm. And um, that requires work You know, So you have to face up to some things That you probably um, mm. Would normally turn away from But it's usually the things that you find hard um, that are going to produce, you know, mm. great results. And so you've got to persevere. You've got to endure. Yep. You've got to surrender and yield, and um, let God come alongside you and and just offer you through it all. Mm. And um, you'll come out the other side so much better, so much stronger. So good. Um, do you think that there's anything too big that God cannot handle? No way. We've been through some stuff, man, and. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people have, but when you have God, you have something to cling to. You have an anchor. You have a foundation. Mm. You have a, a peace about situations that would normally just bowl you over in a storm. You know, you've got someone who can you can shelter mm. under the mighty wings of an eagle. You know, yeah. We've got a God that um, I mean, He's a God that created heaven and earth. There's yeah. nothing that he can't do. Come on. Yeah. I love that. Um, so is there anything else that you would really like to share with us before I ask the final couple of questions? I think um, there's definitely a whiter that I'd like to to share um, that, that sums up uh, this healing journey of mine. But um, that God, God is so good. Mm. Um. He loves us. He wants you to come home, yeah. <laughs> come home to him, um, come back into his fold, come back into yeah. his embrace, and and trust that he's good, that he loves, mm. that he loves each and every one of us. There's no 
set aside portion for anybody mm. that's more than the other. He's got the same amount of love for you as he does for for me. Mm. That's so cool. Um, so, Melissa, you've been all over with God, really, from beginning to end, and um, raising children, um, you know, having a husband, going mm-hmm. going to different churches. Um, I would love to know where you think God is taking you now. Well, the vision that he gave, and I'm okay with sharing this, is that right now um, we've just come out of a, a birthing channel, <laughs> and there's a transition that happens there before baby comes. And um, I believe that the, you know, in the spiritual that the baby's about to be birthed. He's also shown that um, that his hands held will hold a catapult, and he was doing a whole lot of stretching, mm. and the stretching was very audible. Yeah. Um, and he was doing a pull. Yeah. And he was pulling, and he was pulling back, and he's about to release. Yeah. And so with the stretch and the pull, you know, I I was. I was able to see in all of that that there's a territory that mm. is for us to to occupy and there's people that need to be ministered and saved and so we're we're just waiting now for for God to release and I believe that's gonna be next year. There's gonna be something pretty significant in our our Fano. So we just trust and we wait and see what he's gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh praise the Lord. <laughs> oh well. I'm so stoked to have heard your testimony, Melissa. Thank You're you. an amazing person. <laughs> and um, yeah, I hope anybody listening really enjoyed this as much as we did. Hey, we have a bit of a bonus at the end of this episode. So you're going to be blessed to hear Mal sing. Hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> Kia Oh, my God.
This uh, this wieter is just um, speaking, and it's saying, "Lord, cover me, Lord, purify my heart, sanctify my soul. Jesus, the name that I adore, drench me in Your love. I bow down in Your presence, clothed in Your glory. It's Your face that I seek. Unto You I surrender. Lift my hands unto Thee. Come, Holy Spirit, cover me. Come, Holy Spirit, cover me." Thanks for listening to this episode of the Jesus Magnet Podcast. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you connect with us. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and if you want to support us, be a member of our coffee club, Jesus Magnet Coffee Club. See you next time on the Jesus Magnet.